Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. The Democratic National Convention, Brian. Yes, sir. Barack Obama. Yeah, Barack (laughs) Obama has chosen his uh, running mate, Mm -hmm. VP, Joe Biden. And all, ever since he made that decision, Brian, all I've been hearing is he snubbed Hillary. (laughs) He snubbed Hillary. How dare him mistreat her? Who is he to not choose her? He needs her. If he don't pick her, I'm voting for John McCain. Wow. You know, and it and it's really interesting that now you have, you know, all the media and all the news uh, outlets are saying we need to have party unity. You know, and they're talking about it says I'm reading uh, the caption from the AP poll it says Dems seek peace and party as Obama convention opens. And this hmm. is from Associated Press. It says Democrats open a national convention on Monday seeking peace in the family as they pursue victory in the fall for Barack Obama and his historic quest for the White House. Now, you know, immediately that just brings a question out of my mind. Is there really party unity in any party? Are you going to have everybody on board? And why do they believe it's so important to have Every single person say absolutely on board. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, does showing a complete party unity really strengthen the party, or does having some people that have very strong opinions that not that may not necessarily agree show strength in the party? That they can't that they can't just be, you know, not united, but. You see, you see what I mean? Yes, I know exactly. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make it seem as though the only way that we can win is that everybody says yes to the way that it's supposed to be. And in the past, that may have worked for, you know, some of the other parties. But you got to remember, this isn't the same Democratic Party. This is a brand. This is a new type of Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. So why is it that they're, you know, that? It seemed like they they're trying to make the uh, this whole race for the White House in the shape and the mold of this way that they used to do the same old stuff. Hmm. I tell you what, Brian, that's a good question, and we're definitely going to talk about a lot of things tonight. And Brian, I want to ask this question, and I hope we have some listeners out there that will answer this for me and just give me their opinion and their views on it. If Hillary Clinton had won and she did not choose Obama as her running mate, would she would it be would the papers read Hillary snubs Barack Obama? You know, I, 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 I can't believe she didn't choose him. What is wrong with her? She needs him. She owe it to him. And everybody out there, Brian, they're saying that, well, the media is putting it out there, that he owed it to Hillary to put her in that position. But this is the, this is the question. With, with Hillary's background and, and the President Bill Clinton's background, do you think that they will actually work together? Would they work together or, or would they work in separate roles? Or would she even accept the vice president? You know what position? I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, it's just, this is, of course, is just my opinion. I don't think it would have been that big of an issue had she actually won. But you but, know, because people talk about, well, in the popular vote, she won. You know, but you got to remember the way that they were running their that political thing, that political game. You can't possibly tell me that once they smelled blood in the water, so to speak, when they had the issues with Barack Obama, that she wasn't a part of that media conspiracy. 
she used that to her advantage. She used a lot of those things to her advantage. And now that you have him being the uh, the Democratic national, I mean the Democratic nominee for president, now all of a sudden there's this rush to try to make sure that she's that her what she's done has been commendable. No, she ran just like anybody else, and it's commendable, yes. But is it so commendable that you take away from that of a Barack Obama's victory? Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Brian, you know, what about uh, what about her not choosing him? Would the world be up? Would everybody be complaining about that? Absolutely not. They were saying she needs to choose somebody with experience. She needs to choose somebody with that has more uh, of a grassroots effort, blah, blah, blah. They would have come up with every reason why not, why he shouldn't have been her pick for vice president. You know, and the truth is, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe she does pick him. <laughs> but you know what, man, this, this, but no one was there that heard the conversation that Barack and Hillary Clinton had, Do you, she can't come out and say that she turned the position down. Now, if she turned it down, what can – he can't come out and say, well, she didn't want it. So now it looks like he didn't even go to her, he didn't consider her. When he said he was considering her, they mm-hmm. asked him point blank, do would you consider? He said yes. She's one of the ones that I'm considering choosing for the vice president's position. But Brian, you know what? We have so many questions. Let's go to the lines. Let's bring on our caller because I want to ask a question. It's been eating at me, Brian. Just let's bring the caller in. All right. And if you want to call and chime in uh, to the discussion, the number is seven one eight five zero eight nine six. Zero zero. That's seven one eight five zero eight nine six zero zero. And we have our first caller from the eight five zero area code. Caller, may I have your name, please? Caller, are you there? Caller from the eight five zero area code, are you there? All right. Maybe they're just listening in. We'll try back later. Yes. But, but but I'm gonna ask this question, and we can always go back to it. We can we can always go back to it. Mm-hmm. The, the, what does this? What does the Obama camp? What do they actually owe the Clintons for doing what they're doing? What do they actually owe them anything? You know, that's a good question. Personally, I think the only thing they owe them is the congratulations on a good competition. You lost. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's really it. Now, some people say, well, at the very least, she deserves a place in his possible cabinet. You know, and to be perfectly honest, she could she could spill a role somewhere in there. But does she take a lesser role? And would she feel like it's a slap in the face? The fact that hey, I won the popular vote. That's been the big argument. You know, but after they, how they got all the party rules and everything out of the way, and they determined that she was not going to be the nominee and that he won, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's almost as if she was saying, well, fine, I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in this. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I, I, I hope that's not the case. And I, I, I really do believe that they need each other to, to bring this country together. Because they they are two powerful individuals, there's a lot going on, and I, I really believe that they will do the right thing. I believe that they'll come together and they'll do the right thing. Now we can only speculate from the outside because we don't know what's really going on between the Clintons or and the Barack Obama camp. We don't know if there's strife. Some say that there is, but we don't know that. Right. So so I, I think what's really going on is we we. Are fighting amongst each other when we should be uniting and trying to make things work and not worry about anymore who's this and who's this because Brian we had a system in place before there there's never been a problem with the system as far as when the voting is done this way and we choose a nominee there's never been a problem 
But now when the system worked and it didn't work the way that a lot of people thought that it would, they're up in arms. Because here you have a man, Brian, that's only been in the Senate, what, two years, and now he's up for president. That is that is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that because I believe, Brian, that he was underestimated. Oh, yeah. I don't think that they had a plan for him. I think that what they were doing is they were basing him running on the past African Americans that ran for president. And I really believe that they were prepared for John Edwards and the other guys that were running for president. And I think that they overlooked him. Uh And before they knew it, they were bit, and there was absolutely nothing they could do to change it. (laughs) And, 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 and 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 I say, you know, you have to tip your hats off to the Barack camp. Mm-hmm. You have to, because again, everybody's saying he doesn't have experience. Experience, experience. What is, what is the real basis of their when they say the word experience? Are they saying, are they saying that because they're afraid to say, because of his race? Or is that really what they're saying when they say experience? Are they saying he he can't do it? Well, he's he's too much of a risk. Well, well, how can you say he's too much of a risk? What, what do you mean by that? What are you trying to compare him to? What, what is it? But then, Brian, we look at experience. The past, the, the, what we have in the White House now, mm-hmm. at the very beginning of eight years ago, there was more experience probably than there's, there's ever been. And look at the situation that we're in now with the experience. Exactly. And if I can remember, we had a governor of a state who did not have a whole lot of experience, who really did not know how to connect to, you know, grassroots folks, and a lot of people who just naturally assumed that the Democrats would win again, so Mm -hmm. they didn't vote. You know, uh, I mean, that's that's the thing that that shocked me the most, because when you look at the, the 2000 election and the way it was run, the vote was really, you know, pretty much stolen. I mean, I'll just say it like that. They stole the vote. You know, you had the dimpled chads, and you had all these different voting irregularities, votes that weren't counted, votes that were kind of subject to being counted and all that type of stuff. And, you know, the reality the reality behind that is that now you have a new, another race where you have to be really careful because you have, you know, you got to think about this. There's no way they want a Barack Obama in office because by many accounts, they view his views to be too radical for the American people when the, in reality, he is exactly what the American people need. He, they need a shakeup from the top down. And the, thing that, the fact that he's coming from the bottom up to shake him, shake him from the top down, they don't know, they don't understand that. They're they're so afraid of him actually making a difference that they don't want to even they don't even want to have to think about the fact of a Barack Obama being in office because he's going to go in there and he's going to realize, "Oh wow. This is a good old boy system." And they might have let Hillary in only because of Bill, because Bill's part of a good old boy system, you know. But the reality is when he gets in there and he sees what's going on, (laughs) I think that we'll see a real change in government. You know, because like you said before, you see what experience has gotten us. You know, all types of experience from all different levels. And yet we are in probably worse shape than we were eight years ago. A whole lot worse shape. But, Greg, I want to go to the caller again, and let's see what they have to say about this issue. Caller from the 850 area code, are you there? Caller from the 850-251 area code. All right. I think they're still listening in, and that's great. But if you have a call or a comment, please call in, chime in. We'd love to hear from you, 718-508-9600 is the number. 
at 718-508-9600 is the number to call in. You know, Greg, I want to talk about the other issue uh, with the debate that they had with uh, Pastor Rick Warren of the Saddleback Church. Okay. You know, a lot of people were saying after the debate that McCain did so well and he ripped Obama up and, you know, you, you heard all this stuff where they said Obama did so bad and McCain did so well, and then you find out after the fact that McCain could quite possibly have heard the questions that were asked because they were asked pretty much the same question. So you heard, so you heard after the fact that maybe he heard the questions, and even Pastor Rick Warren said, "Well, I thought he was in the back, but in fact he was on his way to the event." Now they said, "Well, you guys are only saying that because he did better than." Uh, Obama did, but you got to admit he was asking other. You know, he was saying, "Aren't you going to ask me about blah blah blah?" And it was a question that Obama had been asked. So it, you know, it, it makes you really think about: Did he already know that this question was coming up, or did he just ask it out of the blue? Did he really do better than Obama? I I, I don't think he did. I think what Obama did, his, the way he answered his questions, the questions that were asked. I think he answered those questions in a way that he included others, where he didn't say my opinion, you know, was so much this, but I would would also look at this and look at other solutions and try to figure out why these things are happening, rather than the other side saying and telling stories about their life. When when at some point will uh, the stories end? How many stories can you tell? At some point, you're going to have to say, you know what, I know I talk about this and I talk about this, but where do you really stand on the issues? It seems as though there's 80% of the McCain side, it's almost like everything that they're saying is concerning Obama. They're spending so much time talking about him, but what are you going to do about certain situations yourself? What is it that you're going to do? Is it so much different from the current president and the ones that are in power right now, what is it? Is it different? Will it be the same? What what is it? What are you going to do? And, Brent, that's the thing that we haven't heard. And I'm pretty sure at some point uh, during the debate it will come up again. And and I also want to say this, Brian. Mm -hmm. Now that Obama has Joe Biden on on his ticket, do you think that Joe Biden can say some things about McCain, or he could fight McCain in a way that Barack couldn't? You know, it's interesting because Joe Biden has been there with with uh, John McCain. He's been in the Senate with John McCain. You know, so, it's, so they're both colleagues. So they know a whole lot more about each other than Barack would know about McCain or McCain would know about Barack. So I think it's going to be really interesting once you have uh, once we find out who uh, John McCain picks as his running mate, because I think what he'll do is he'll try to counter his running mate with someone, you know, with someone that could counter what Joe Biden would talk about. Right. But what what I'm getting at is you hear people saying, well, Obama won't fight McCain. He won't fight him. He won't fight him back. Immediately when he when Joe Biden was selected. Joe Biden took shots at him. He said some things that Obama probably, you know, it, it probably would have offended a lot of people. And I think in Barack's position, being an African-American, now let's be real, being an African-American fighting up there the way that I think he's been baited to do to attack McCain, that would really come off the wrong way. I really do believe that, and I think he has to be careful with the way he does what he's going to do. Now, with Joe Biden, I think Joe Biden can say say those things that Barack couldn't say. You know, I, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. You know, and and I and I think you're kind of on point with that for the simple fact that when you have somebody like a Barack Obama who's already pledged not to play the dirty politics game, you know, who who really tries to keep himself at a level, you know, 
far above what people may think of him as being. You know, he always tries to do his best to take the high road on issues. You know, he'll never try to slam or slander or, you know, pretty much dog out McCain. He's always tried to do it in a way that when you look at it, he say, hey, he did it the professional way. You yes. know, now yes. he'll take a shot, but his shot will sort of be, you know, not what most people would think a Democrat should take a shot. See, they're used to Democrats and Republicans fighting like cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. They're used to that. So when you come down to politics, they pull out all kinds of dirt. Look at the type of dirt they tried to create with Obama, saying that he was a Muslim, you know, as if that's something that's just a deal breaker for the American people. Like you could never have a Muslim American be the president of the United States, you know. But they took dirty shots like that, calling him Barack Hussein Obama in the media, you know, on certain news channels who were renamed nameless, you know. But, I mean, they took those type of shots at him to make him look less of, less than a presidential type, you know. They even took shots at him when when he created his crest for uh, his platform because they said it looks too presidential, Mm -hmm. as if he can't look presidential trying to run for president. (laughs) <laughs> you see what I mean? Yes, I understand but, exactly. But I'm just, yeah, I understand. It's like everything that they did, they tried to scrutinize him. And you know what? Here's the real thing, Greg, that I believe. I really believe this. And, you know, most people may disagree. I believe that you have some people who are planted in his campaign that have made some major gaffes and have made some major screw-ups in his campaign and He's starting to weed those people out. And with a guy like Joe Biden on his team, Joe can come out and say, you know what? Nah, no. We're not, this person can't stay on the team because I know this person. I know what they're about. I know who they're about. Because you've got to look at some of the things that they've done, like the issue of him taking the pictures with the, with the Muslim children or the Muslim ladies. Right. You know, and, it, and then they said, well, they made them do something or they made them uh, – Basically, they they wanted to make sure they got all the Muslim-only ladies in the picture, as if he couldn't take pictures with non-Muslims as well as Muslims together. Mm. You know, so some of the things that they did, and, they, and I guess they were, it was an effort to try to appease the Muslim community, but at the same time, it, it became an outrage mm-hmm. because they say, look what you guys are trying to piece this together. Mm-hmm. And see, every little thing that his campaign has done to make him look more palatable as a president at the same time people have taken shots and say look at you you're trying to make him more palatable as a president that means he's not palatable as a president that means he's not fit to be president wherein when you look at john mccain's platform he has not had to do that because people aren't taking that kind of shots at him and they're saying well you're not really taking a shot at obama you're not you're not hitting him with the hard heavy questions that's because he's having to clean up so much of the stuff, so much of the small stuff, and he keeps saying, let's talk about the issues. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the issues. And the whole time, oh, you got Jeremiah Wright, or oh, Hussein Obama, oh, your father's a Muslim, or oh, your grandfather's a Muslim, oh, you wore a turban when you went over to see your family in Kenya. You know, it's like, okay, so uh, when... Uh, First Lady Laura Bush went over to, to uh, Japan. She wore a kimono. I mean, <laughs> dude, nobody made a big deal about that. Right, right. You well, know, so it seems like every little thing he's done, he's had to come back and say, you know what, I know I did this. I know I did that. That's fine. And he had to sort of, they, it's almost like he has to re-explain himself after he's made a decision. Mm-hmm. As if he can't make a decision without a committee. Mm-hmm. I want to say this about John McCain, and uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in the beginning, John McCain said he would not fight dirty. He's not going to do it. And, Brian, I really don't believe that this man wants to do the dirty fighting. I just think he's been pressured. I think he's been pushed to do it. And I think that the party sees that he's he's not – 
uh, holding up that he has to do that to in order to get the votes or to get closer in the polls. He has to say something, and you can look at him, Brian. He's not comfortable doing that. Now, I, I don't know what everybody else is seeing, but to me, it doesn't look like he's comfortable doing that. And, and my you know, question is, why? Why isn't he comfortable doing that? He's been in the politics for 20-whatever-something years or 30 years or whatever. He's been in there. Why you know, Greg, he I'm going to have to disagree a little bit on that because okay. I think he's very comfortable in doing it because he has been doing it. You have to remember who we're talking about. John McCain has not always sided with his party. You know, he's not always been the party darling, the media darling. You know, he... he He's been the type that he's been very reckless in mm-hmm. his thoughts and his ideas and his uh, his opinions. And so if given a choice, his party would have chosen somebody else to lead them in the bid for the White House. They would have never thought that John McCain would have gotten the pull that he's gotten. But now that he has, they're saying, okay, we settle with John McCain, so let's party unity you know, let's make sure we're one because we got to beat the Democrats because we got a tough race. I mean, right. would you have ever thought that here it is, a Barack Obama would have, you know, at the beginning of this thing, an 11-point lead? And now they're saying, well, it's statistically even. And, you know, we talked about these statistics, you know. The statistics, you know, and I'm, in my opinion, and I'm sure, Greg, you, you agree with me on this, they're – they're only they're taking these what they call straw polls, but these straw polls. I mean, I've never never seen any of the polls that they've taken, never been polled, not even once on a presidential uh, candidate, or a or a senator or any type of senate seats, anything like that. Now you get the local polls; they'll call you and what have you, you know. But as a registered voter, never been polled on a presidential candidate, and so. Where are they getting the polls from? Who are they really polling? Are they polling black America? Are they polling Hispanic Americans? Are they polling, you know, are they polling the poor as well as the rich? Are they polling the middle class workers? Who are these polls going out to? Because I guarantee you, you can ask about 100 people that you know, and you may not find one person who's actually been polled. Mm. So how are they really getting these statistics? You know, is it a guess? And then who's who's doing the guessing? You know, who's actually doing the polling numbers? Brian, do you think that as African Americans, do you think that our voting power is just being ignored? Do you think that they don't think that we'll show up to the polls, or do you think that our values or whatever it is that we believe in is not those things are not important or is it just a gimmick or or a trick what do you think it is you know greg i really believe that they don't think that we matter at the same time i think they believe that if we do come out in numbers that this race will be over. Hmm. And, Brian, I'll say this, too, about McCain, and, and I'm glad you said that. I, I, I really do believe that there's a lot of fighting going on on the other side with McCain and the Republicans. I believe there's a lot of fighting going on, and I believe that he's probably at some point letting them know, okay, you never thought I would get here. I know that I may have not have been the choice that you wanted, but I'm not going to play your game. Uh-huh. Do Do you think he's just not playing ball with them? Do you think he's doing his own thing and, and doing the things the way that he wants things done? Because if, if I listen to Rush, I listen to a lot of the uh, Republican conservatives that are out there that talk to Sean Hannity's, and I li- I listen to them, and before you could, hit, they were on him fighting and fighting. He needs to toughen up. He's going to lose. He's going to do this. And as soon as Barack won, immediately everything changed. Now they're on the bandwagon. Why? Why why are they on the bandwagon now? Hmm. Good question. You know, I think it's partly because 
They don't want to see Barack Obama as president. They already know that as president, Barack Obama is going to effect some change in the middle class workers. He's going to effect change in the poor working class. And that's really the demographic that they don't want to see get better. Believe it. Now, I know I read the good book, and the book good book says that the poor shall always be among you. And so as conservatives, that's what they believe. we got to have poor people. We, everybody can't be rich. So let me be rich, and you stay poor. And if you figure out how to get rich, that's fine. But we're not going to – and they keep saying redistribution of wealth. Rob from the rich and give to the poor. You know, and I keep saying, if you got more mo- more money than you know what to do with, you should be happy to give some. Mm-hmm. You know, not not that you should have to give up all your money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but but at the same time, what they look at and they say, well, I gotta, I'm paying the most taxes. If you're making a hundred million dollars a year, and you're paying forty million in taxes off that hundred million, or fifty million in taxes, and you're only getting taking home fifty million, guess what? You still got fifty million dollars. You still got fifty mil that you made. Now, granted, you're mad because they took half of it, but think about the guy who's making ten thousand dollars a year, who has to give up, you know. Two thousand dollars, you know, who who gives up, you know, ten percent of that or twelve percent of that or whatever. He's got eight grand, <laughs> you know. Right. He can't live off. You can't live off eight grand. You can't live with people off eight grand a year. <laughs> if, you, if everybody's living in a one bedroom, you can't live off that. There are people in this country that still live in wood rickshaw shacks. Like we're off in um what is it in uh in South Africa in the uh what's what's it called when they have those the the uh shanty house, shanty town mhm know exactly you know you still got people that live like that in America in the Bible belt of America, where conservatives are so conservative that they're conserving all their own for themselves. And they're saying, well, we are fiscally concerned. We're, I'm a fiscal conservative, which means I'm going to keep all the money to myself because I made it and I deserve it. You know, and I'm thinking, okay, these fiscal conservatives also call themselves evangelical Christians, and they have these Judeo-Christian values and blah, blah, blah. And then they say, well, you're a liberal. You're a liberal. You believe in all this stuff. And they want to paint every Democrat as being a complete liberal. You can't be in the middle. You can't be a, a conservative Democrat because it doesn't match up, you know. And mm-hmm. they want to paint you in this one little corner where if you ask them, are they Republicans? They say, no, we're not Republicans. We're conservatives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they want, to, they want to be known as being conservatives, not necessarily Republicans. But if you tell them that you're not you're not a liberal, but you say you're Democrat, they say, oh, no, you're not Democrat. You're a liberal. Mm. And so this is the picture that they're trying to paint on Barack Obama and not so much Joe Biden because they know where Joe Biden is coming from. They know how he is. They know that he's – he actually – now listen to this, and you'll laugh at this. He is actually – in the similar mold of a John McCain, because he does not always go exactly with what his party says. Mm. He's actually an independent thinker, and he does not necessarily fall into that mold of being the party darling. That's why he didn't really poll well initially. But the reason that Barack Obama polled well is because Barack Obama, he went outside the normal mold of the demographic that he wanted. And he went after young people. He went out after the, quote-unquote, according to the Republican Party, the rock star generation. He went after those people that are normally not voters. And he said, I'm going to affect change. And when they said, well, what are you going to change? He said, I'm going to change the way that people think around here. 
And that's what is so scary to the Republican Party about Barack Obama. Well, the let me fact say that this. he wants to change the minds, the mindset of America. Mm-hmm. And for that, that's not profitable. It's mm. not profitable for them. Yes. Well, let me say this. This is America. We've heard the great speeches by Dr. Martin Luther King, and on his birthday, you hear that famous speech over and over and over again throughout the entire month of February about the kids playing together, about the dream, about all of us just doing and living together in peace and harmony. Now that we are faced with Barack Obama, now uh, America, we're looking in a mirror. In between now, Brian, August, this is August, between now and November, America's going to have to stare itself in the face and say, I do support what Dr. King said. I do support what are the other peace, the peace speakers, people out there that are saying, we need to do this, we need to come together. 911, the president called us all together on a day of prayer. He called for that, and we all came together as a country. And, Brian, I believe it may get ugly. You're going to have some haters out there. You're going to have some people that really don't want to see a black man in this position because of the perception that it's going to give around the entire world. But, Brian, this is a new day. This is a new age. Martin Luther King said those words a long time ago. And now we're faced with either believe it or shut up. You're faced with it. Now, Brian, you're going to have a lot of people say that because he didn't do what he was supposed to do for Hillary, because he didn't pull her in, because he didn't show her respect, we're going to make you pay. Are you really making him pay because of the way that he did Hillary, which we really don't know how he did her and how that went down? We don't know that. You know, but because because people are on the outside and we're looking in and we're thinking, oh, he snubbed her. Oh, oh, he owes these people this. He owes these people that. And then you hear he's not black enough. Now he's being called an elitist. <laughs> now, you know, and it's sad. It's sad with the games that's being played. And if anybody has the guts to speak out, you, you, you're going to be attacked for doing that. But I tell you, Brian, this is a new day. It's a new age. You hear, you, you see the things that Martin Luther King was dreaming about. You see those things happening right now in this country and around the world. Those things are coming true right now. But, Brian, you also have the old, old diehards that will not accept this. They're going to do everything that they possibly can not for this not to happen. But guess mm-hmm. what, Brian? Again, I'll say it. This is a new day. This is a new time. This is a new era. Things are changing. And, Brian, I'll say it again. America, with with the mirror is in our face now. What are we going to do? And I'm not saying to anybody, Brian, that they should vote for for Barack Obama because he's an African-American. I'm not saying that. Vote for whoever you want to vote for. But don't let race be the deciding factor on which way you pull that lever or which one, which Chad you died or whatever you go with. Don't let that be the case. Listen to the man. Listen to both sides and make a fair decision. It's your vote, and I know you can do what you want to do with it. But America, we're looking in the mirror right now, and Brian, it's gonna it's gonna be intense. The, the the moods of people are gonna change. It may get ugly before it gets better. <laughs> it, you know, honestly, it, I think it will get ugly. I don't think there's a may in this. I think it will get very very cutthroat and very very ugly before the end. Now I don't know exactly who's going to get ugly, but I think what's happening here is now is that you have people who are panicking, you know, and 
and I believe it. I believe that uh, John McCain is, is starting to panic. You know, I believe he's starting to panic. I believe he's really starting to say, "Uh oh, I'm in trouble," because you know early poll numbers, and you know it, nobody really cares about how the you know the what the early poll numbers say. The only thing that really matters is how people go out and vote. Mhm. Mhm. And Brian, my prayer is this, and I, Brian, I, I know it can happen if each individual would do what's right and 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 not do crazy things like on on the day that we vote in November, you have the roadblocks and you have all these other schemes and all this other stuff. I can understand you saying, "Well, I'm not going to vote for whoever for whatever reason." That's your that's your that's your business. It's nobody else's business. But when you try to stop other people from voting, that's just crazy. It's crazy. But Brian, one thing about hate—you cannot keep it down. It's going to come out. It's going to come out. But Brian, with this, this these younger kids. Now, you can't explain that to them. You can't tell them what you or how to vote based on how you did it in the 60s and the 50s and 70s and 80s. You can't tell these young people that now. because if no, you they don't want to hear that. Right. Because if you look around, this, this America is, is a beautiful, beautiful place. If you look around now, you see more and more children of different races playing together going home together, eating out together. If you don't believe me, the next time you go out to dinner or whatever you're going, just open your eyes and you'll see it. Mm-hmm. Things are changing. It, it, it's not like it used to be. And one thing I can say, Brian, is that you're right. It may get ugly because they're not going to just let any African-American walk in the White House and I'll say that they would, they'll probably try to do the same thing if Hillary was in Barack's position right now. They will, it, she's going to have to fight tooth and nails if she wants to become president. It's not going to be an easy thing. It's not going to be easy. And it's, it's sad, but that's just how it is. You know, I agree. I think it's a sad truth, you know, that you can't have, you know, someone who, can run from the president of the United States as an African American or as a woman, you know, or as a minority in general. You know, I, I think that's the real problem with the way that the political parties are set. You know, and this this is really about the two political parties. When you think about it, you have Democrat and you have Republican. Now, there are several other parties out there. You have the Green Party, you have the uh, Libertarians, you know, you have these other parties, and it's not really fair to them that they're not even invited, they're not even allowed to debate. So what does that really say about democracy when you have all these other parties who could possibly, you know, quite possibly have a candidate that is viable for the White House? the reform party you know you have these several parties that they end up with their names on the ballot but because they're not given the national stage they're not even given a thought hmm. or even an afterthought you hear about them only if they say something wrong hmm. you know like when when h uh ross perot was going for president and you know he said something about you people <laughs> you know it's like you people what are you trying to say what do you mean and here it was, everybody was up in arms over it, and it was a simple gaffe. I mean, I'm not saying the guy's racist. I don't know him personally. You know, but he said something. He said, you people. You know, sometimes I'll say, hey, man, you people crazy. <laughs> Does that mean I'm racist? No. But the media played this up so much to where, you know, now this guy, now when they hear Reform Party, ah, I forget Reform Party, who Ross Perot, who, Ralph Nader, and we're not paying attention to those guys. You see, it's an afterthought. They're not even invited. You know, you don't even hear them hear about their national convention. It doesn't make the news. Mm-hmm. You know, it might, it might make the news like 
at five minutes before the news goes off, you know. But there's not a big spectacle about it. You don't have all the ma- major media stations there. Right. right. And so I think this thing is really about the fact that you have one party that's currently in power and one party on the verge of seizing that power, and so it's just a natural, you know, back-and-forth battle between the two super powers of the United States, so to speak, yes. where they're, they're trying to make sure that this one power is not stronger than the other power. And before I had all power and I was in the president's seat as well as the Senate and the House, we had control. And the thing is, who are they controlling? Mm. They're controlling the people that they're supposed to be serving. That's true. And I think that's why there are, they are so afraid of a Barack Obama presidency because, see, he hasn't been in there long enough to understand about this control factor. So mm. now they're saying, well, good, he's got Joe Biden. Joe Biden will tell him that, hey, you know, this thing is not really about you or me. It's about control, you know. And that's yeah. why he said, I had to pick somebody who I believe could be ready to run, ready to be president. You know, and not many people really took that statement and broke it down. I mean, what did that mean to you, Greg? Oh, I, I tell you, Brian, it's, I, I, I really, I really, I'm, I'm just lost at how, the way things are done, I'm not avoiding your question, but I'm just lost at the way things are done, and the, the just, just the just the way is the things that are done are hidden. Uh, the reason behind what a lot of things are going on are just being hidden. But Brian, let me let me say this about Michelle Obama. My goodness, is she being attacked or what? Everything that this woman is wearing. Is not right for her. Everything that she says is not the right thing. I, what can she do that's right? What When you have someone like Obama and Michelle and Joe Biden and his wife, and you have these people that are out there and they're only talking about the people, the people, the people, it makes you wonder, uh, would the other side rather struggle with another four years like we've had with these past eight years do you think that they would rather struggle than adopt and accept this change, this new thing, this new uh, new ideas and, and fresh everything? Do you think they would rather struggle, Brian, than do what's right and try to bring us back to where we were? Well, the question is, is the other side really struggling now? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I, I guess we can ask them when we go to the pumps. <laughs> Everybody's up well, in arms about the gas prices and, and, and everything else they're complaining about. It's just not the gas prices. It's just a lot of different things. Well, see, Greg, you got to remember too. There's there's one, there's some folks out here that are benefiting heavily. Yeah. And you know, wonderfully, I would say, on the crisis that is the American financial system right now there are some folks out there that are heavily you know literally making money hand over fist on gas prices food prices everything i mean think about it look at how many products are made from petroleum and all of them have gone up i just went to the store uh what was that i think it was yesterday and milk has finally gone down under four dollars i mean before i can remember when we complained when milk was 250 and now you had i think the highest that i've seen a gallon of milk was 469 or 479 or something i wouldn't even buy it <laughs> it's you know? like the gas it went up exactly i mean everything had gone up and i'm thinking to myself Wait a minute. Did did we lose some cows because we had too much gas? Why is milk so much higher now? You know, I mean, you would never think that milk would be as high as gas, but milk costs more than gas. You know, it's always cost more than gas. But even when the gas went to $4, milk costs 
more than $4. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, why is the milk going up faster than the gas? You know? Yes, I know. I know. I know exactly uh, what you're saying, and, and Brian, I want to get back on uh, Obama's wife, Michelle. What do you think about her when you see her on the stage? Do you think that uh, the old America? Do you think that they have such an issue with her standing on stage with the power? You, I mean, you can see the power in her. You can see. Uh, that she brings something to the table and she's not afraid, and because you're confident, and he's confident, now they're saying that they're arrogant. Well, you know, Greg, the, the reality behind it is that when you look at a Michelle Obama, she does not look like your typical first lady. And so that's the knock from the get-go. You know, you would... You would also look at her as a dark-skinned black woman and say that, you know, when she speaks, she doesn't speak out from a position of authority. She speaks from a position of anger and arrogance Mm -hmm. because that's the picture you want to paint her in because most people think that dark-skinned black women are feisty and mean and angry women because because they're not light-skinned or so forth. And so when you have that and they can paint that picture... Then you paint the persona of a person, just like when uh, when they both gave the fist bump, and they say, "Oh, that's a terrorist fist bump. That's something that they're doing. They're sending gang signs and gang signals." I mean, can you see the arrogance and the ignorance of some people and their quest of, you know, to try to demonize a simple, you know, gesture that people do? I mean, I bump fists with everybody all the time. Am I a terrorist? Absolutely not. You know, but the fact that they would do that, and then even when you had someone on Fox News, now when you think about this, the type of the the type of threats that have come up, you know, that come about from presidential candidates, somebody threatens a presidential candidate, and they are going to jail. They're going to get locked up. You just recently had the guy who was talking about uh, going after Barack Obama uh, down here in Florida, and he's in jail right now. You know and waiting charges. But you had an individual on Fox News who was talking about uh, Obama going and being willing to talk to Raul Castro, and he said we should get him down there, and while we're down there, we should shoot him and Obama too. Now, to me, that sounds like a very credible threat when you're saying, sure, we should kill the presidential nominee and the Raul Castro. But nobody made anything of that. It was it was Bailey basically said, oh yeah, you know, he was just being funny, ha ha ha. But had someone made that comment to about John McCain, people would have been up in arms, and they would have been saying, oh my God, he made a threat against John McCain. But that didn't happen. You see, that's the that's the media bias that you have. You know, the fact that they would go after Michelle Obama on Fox News and refer to her. Now, listen to this. A married married woman, two children. She's a successful businesswoman. She's a successful, she is very, very intelligent. And by the way, she's very wealthy. She made her own wealth, her, her and her husband. They pulled themselves up and created their own wealth. They did it the way that the American dream is supposed to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And yet they had the nerve and the gall to actually say that Barack's baby mama said this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, is that not a racist, you know, a, a statement with very racist overtones? Mm. Because here it is, you're calling her a baby mama. And the way you're saying the, the statement that you're making, and you're calling her Barack's baby mama, as if she's had some bastard children, and that you know they're unmarried, you know, and that they they fit this stereotypical black family of the daddy's not married to the mama, and they got a bunch of children out of wedlock. You see, that's the statement. That's 
that's the statement that they were making by calling her a Barack's baby mama. Because mm. you don't hear they're calling uh, Cindy McCain uh, McCain's baby's mama. See, they don't even want to bring up the issues behind uh, surrounding John McCain because they don't want you to know that he left his first wife on her sick bed for a young and supple uh, Cindy McCain, you see. They don't want you to know that. That's sad. That's 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 really you sad. You see, because if you bring that up, then they then then you define, then you show that Barack Obama has a persona of a family man who cares. Yes, Brian. We have about four minutes left, and I, I definitely I, I've got to get this question in mm-hmm. about. Uh, uh, the Obamas and and the Bidens and just the way this whole thing is 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 going out there. Do you think that a lot of things? Do you think that Obama has to fight against the Republicans against the, a lot of the media? Do you think that he is fighting against everybody and from every angle? Do you think that's what he's doing? Or do you think he he'll have to defend himself? He has to watch himself. He all of these different things are, are, are coming at him. Do you think that it's all all uh, intentional? Well, it really depends on which side of the media is you know rooting for him or against him. You know, I, I think that you have a lot of the things that have put, been put out there, especially about um, with uh, Reverend Wright. You know, here it was, he's at Reverend Rice Church. I mean, you can go to a lot of different churches, and they're not necessarily always going to say what people want to hear. You know, you have a lot of preachers on both sides of the equation, evangelical Christians, Judeo-Christian. You have a lot of people who have ire for the government because they know that the government has not done a, quote-unquote, wonderful job. I'm not saying that they hate the government. But that's what they're trying to uh, say that his uh, pastor hates the government. How can you follow someone that hates the government? Well, I can tell you now, there's not a person on this planet that's going to agree with every single thing that their pastor says. There are a lot of people that, that may disagree with a lot of things that the pastor says, but they know that the pastor's giving them the good word, even though they don't agree with it. Now, I'm not, And I'm not saying this to say that, uh, Reverend Wright was justified in some of the things that he said because he may not be. But who am I to question the man who says that God has given him the authority to say this? I I don't have the authority to question God on that, and that's what they want him to do. They, you know, how can you denounce a preacher? They they basically say, well, you have to basically denounce your preacher. You know, and so they went on. Because of media scrutiny, here, here's McCain denouncing his preacher. Then, you know, because they said, well, you know what, Barack had to den- had denounce his preacher. So McCain, you better go ahead and denounce these guys too, because they said some stuff that's out of the way. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now you have McCain's preacher saying something. So immediately, he says, "I denounce him." But does it make the same head headlines? Of course not. Because he did it before it really got the word out about it. See, they didn't go into detail about what he said, you know. But we got about a minute left, Greg, and I want to just close it. You know, I got a few closing statements I want to say. You know, the topic of our show tonight, if I didn't give it earlier, was do you really believe? And, you know, and I think this thing is about belief. Do you really believe that? John McCain can be the president that will represent you. Do you really believe that Barack Obama will be the president that represents you? It's your choice. It's your decision. It's your bed. It's your vote. You have to make that decision yourself. Don't let mama, don't let auntie and uncle and cousin and best friend or boss tell you how to vote. You vote your conscience, and you live with it. 
With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Please join us on Wednesday as we have another wonderful guest. With that being said, good evening and God bless.